0: hello everybody and welcome to a new episode of career focus part of influential future today is a very special day because as my uh, first female guest I have my uh, sister Katrin, who is a manager with a very large consulting company hello Katrin.
1: hey Alex nice to be here
0: thank you for thank you for taking the time I hope that a lot of people will find your uh, advice and um career background inspirational and very interesting as well. So let's let's start um, from the beginning. Can you give us a brief overview about yourself?
1: Sure. So I'm originally from Bulgaria. I actually went to high school in the States. Um, After completing that, I moved to the UK where I did my bachelor's degree at Queen Mary University of London, followed by my master's degree at King's College of London. And after that, I landed my first job with um, Citibank, where I completed an HR graduate scheme and stayed there for about three years. And following Citibank, I joined, um, as you already mentioned, one of the largest consulting firms in the world, Accenture, and I'm currently a manager with the firm.
0: That sounds fantastic. And um, let's dive a bit deeper. Can you give us a brief? introduction about your uh, education what did you decide to study what was the reason for studying those particular subjects
1: yeah of course so as I mentioned after finishing um, high school I had a I was looking at a few different degrees one of them was economics and finance and the second more of my safety option was actually business management unfortunately I did not get accepted to pursue economics and finance which was my First choice at the University of Manchester and therefore decided to go with uh, my second choice, which was a bachelor's degree in business management at Queen Mary University of London. The reason why I picked business management was because it provided me with a good overview of different areas, such as economics, finance, but also accounting, statistics and human resources. Um, Following my bachelor's degree, I was actually torn between what I I wanted to go in and specialize a bit more in accounting or human resources management. But after doing a lot of research, you know, going to career fairs, speaking with people in industry, I decided that actually the HR management route might be better suited to my personality. And following my bachelor's degree and before starting my master's, I went on to do an internship um, with an HR consultancy which was absolutely great. Um, And then I went on and pursued my master's at King's College. I also did a qualification alongside my master's degree called the CIPD. This is the Chartered Institute for Personnel and Development. It's a a UK organization, but it's also fairly recognized um, internationally as well.
0: So obviously you had this sort sort of, academic background and then obviously once you finish university it comes the next, next log- logical step for any individual uh, to find find work did you find it easy to uh, start start your career journey after university
1: yeah so you know reflecting back on my experience of finding a job after university i think it was pretty lucky in the sense that you know you as my older brother had already been through the process of looking for entry level Um, and grad schemes, particularly in the UK, which has a very specific process, Um, so I had a good idea about, you know, the application process and also um, had you and also my parents to to reach out for advice and, you know, practice for interviews and um, the various tests that were part of the uh, assessment process. I think prior to finding my first job, what I just wanted to kind of highlight is I worked um, or volunteered every summer pretty much since I was kind of 15, 16. I've had, you know, jobs from sales assistant and summer camp counselor to actually working in an office, as I mentioned. Um overall I was always trying to be very proactive and even at university signing up for mentoring schemes or taking up positions in different societies and just trying to be involved and explore different areas and and expand my my horizons.
0: Yeah. And obviously, um, <clears throat> it's very difficult when for some people, obviously, to start their career journey it's because it's very a very competitive process. It is. Um, so, so once you started your 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 new uh, job, obviously, and obviously now as a manager, you have I would say a lot more responsibilities. So, what what is the your day to day work life look like? Is it very dynamic? Is it not dynamic? Can you tell us more about it?
1: yeah I can so it's pretty dynamic um, when it comes to consulting and the lifestyle it offers your day-to-day can be very different from one side when you're in a client project your focus is obviously building the relationship with the client establishing the project scope and working on various deliverables but then there's also a number of different initiatives one might find themselves involved in Um, so that could be anything from working on requests for proposals This is basically responding to a client request with a very specific ask at hand or things like leading research papers, supporting other activities such as onboarding of new joiners, building propositions and offerings, organizing various practice events and whatnot. So overall, I would say no two days are alike.
0: Of course, I understand. And obviously, because it's so dynamic, does that make it hard when you're trying to work on specific piece of work because if it's constantly changing then it makes it very hard to pinpoint what needs to be done is that the case
1: yeah so i suppose it really depends on the task at hand and whether the scope has been confirmed beforehand which should usually be the case but you know often um, clients realize along the way that there might be other activities that they're interested in or someone actually needs to get done as part of the project so that's where you really step in and, can, and try and help them shape what the, what success should look like.
0: And the other aspect I presume is once uh, is obviously you have to deal with clients. Does, is it difficult sometimes to working with clients? What is your perspective?
1: I think it's difficult in the sense that it really depends on the client and the relationship that you have or have to build from scratch. That usually takes quite a bit of time. And the key aspect is to really establish, you know, that level of trust to be able to align and get buy-in from your stakeholders. It usually requires um, a period of adaptation and a lot of perseverance. But for me, it's always been a two-sided thing because as much as you're there to help your client be successful, your clients also need to be aligned to you and support you in order to do the job well.
0: Yeah, perfectly understandable. Um, and then I presume now, because we have a a lot, a lot more responsibilities. Now you've started to develop your, your very own management style. What, 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 how would you classify your management style?
1: You know, it's something that I'm definitely still working on and trying to improve every day. Um, my preference is definitely for a management style, which is much more collaborative and where whoever you're working with feels more empowered to take ownership of the final outcomes which in my view can lead to increased engagement and creativity. You know, everyone has something they can bring to the table and we all have different experiences and views of the world. So being open to hear others out can be extremely valuable. And that's also how I like being managed to, you know. Mm -hmm. There's something for me around a more laissez-faire approach where you encourage high-performing employees to contribute and where you provide them with the autonomy to learn and to explore And I think the key thing when you manage people is actually applying a level of emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. Some people may need more direction and attention at times. And as a people manager, you need to to learn how to recognize that and reflect and judge based on the situation and also the individual that you're facing off to, which in consulting very often changes given you're doing a lot of different projects. In addition to some of the internal activities I, I mentioned so you need to be able to kind of adapt your management and uh, people management style in particular.
0: Yes, obviously, depending on the situation, sometimes you have to learn to uh, change things up as people say um, just because every every person has a different personality or has a different way of doing things. so sometimes it makes sense to change change your scope a little bit just to make the process a bit more fluid. exactly. Uh, can you tell me about technology in your workplace? Obviously now because of COVID, everybody's working from home, um, and that's where technology has kicked in and tried, tried to fill the void where we're trying to simulate an office environment. Um, some people find it difficult, some people find it easy, depending on their situation. How? So what? Do, what is your perspective? Do you, do you feel that technology has actually enabled you to do, to be as productive as being in the office? And what is the impact of technology in your workplace?
1: Yes. So particularly from the impact on my line of work, I would say overall clients have always had the expectation for us to be able to, for consultants generally, to be able to advise and provide a view of the market and where technology is going. And when it comes to defining uh, particularly Technological transformation journeys, you know, knowing what the market leading technologies are, are out there and how that impacts the employee journey, considering not just the technology, but the process and people side of things. When it comes to COVID and the environment um, we've all been operating in the last year, I think I've had a fairly easy way of adapting to it just because. As a consultant, you tend to either travel a lot, or change clients a lot. So I've always had my laptop in my backpack and have been used to working from different locations. I know so previously before kind of going into COVID in the full, um remote working, um, I've always tried to work from home at least one day a week. Um, so I suppose there is changes and... The exciting part from one one asp- from one uh, one from um, side of things is just where things are going to go um, in the next few months, particularly with a lockdown and uh, measures being eased in the next few months. Um, and I suppose the impact that that's going to have on, on um, where we all end up working in the future, you know, it, it seems like there is a revolution coming in the facilities and infrastructure domain space particularly and how it will be exciting to see how that enables a a permanently mobile workforce.
0: Yeah, I agree. Uh, Obviously because of the new technology, it's going to be some companies are definitely going to adopt the approach where we're going to have a much more uh, fluid and dynamic work, working from home lifestyle, working from the office lifestyle. It's not going to be only just from the office. Obviously some, some jobs will still require you to be mostly in the office, but I think technology is gonna enable enable us to become as productive as being in the office from home. So where do you see technology moving in the next 10, 15 years?
1: Hmm, that's, a, that's an interesting question. I, I'll i refrain from commenting, commenting on the wider kind of technological space. I'll probably focus my response when it comes to the HR angle of it. In, not just technology, but some of the key trends I've personally seen in that space. So I suppose the first one is we've seen a lot of roles and responsibilities change and new capabilities and skills being on the rise. A lot of people, for example, talk about predictive analytics. I think the impact that we have seen, particularly in the HR space and and how that operates, is how the question has really shifted from looking backwards at what has happened and why it's happened um, to a more future looking view around what will happen and really being able to use some of the data um, that we now have access to, to kind of define future trends and understand some of the workforce behaviors as well. I think that's also had an impact on learning strategies, particularly you know, how to learn, unlearn and relearn and understanding what are the capabilities and skills for the future, particularly, as you mentioned, when it comes to technology and how that impacts some of the future jobs and roles that are out there. And I think that's very closely linked to a favorite topic, I suppose, um, for many, which is around AI automation, chatbots and whatnot, and also how that has really impacted the end-to-end user journey or employee experience and how companies are now looking to provide an end-to-end connected and meaningful experience, particularly in organizations. Um, It's very often the case that employees are also your customers Mm -hmm. and they now have certain expectations around what the experience is, regardless of whether it's HR or any any other kind of internal function that may support your employees but particularly expecting experiences to be personalized to be fast um to be responsive you know there's a lot of emphasis on um you know i I want this and i want it now type Mm -hmm. thing but you you need to also ensure that you're providing a quality service to your employees which is a massive shift to where things have been a few years ago and i think that's all because of the fact that technology has been there and, you know, we've seen a lot of companies transition to the cloud and adopt different tools and systems to kind of help them support, be more efficient and effective. Um, so yeah, I mean, these are some of the trends that are still on the horizon and will have a lot of impact in the next few years. Um, but overall, I think it's a journey that's, um, almost never ending in a way just because of the development and the, the the pace of change particularly from a technology angle and how quickly things tend to advance
0: that's uh yeah that's very interesting obviously because large large companies need to plan for the future and obviously technology is going to enable them to do that in a more defined way because previously that that way was pretty much left to the had of different departments or teams to figure out what the future is going to look like for the workforce. But now, now technology is going to enable everybody to take a more holistic view and plan for the future on a, on a enterprise level, rather than just yeah. a piecemeal approach. Understandable. Um, so now let's go to the, some people might say the fun part of the uh, podcasting interview. Uh, can you tell us about your uh, current uh, hobbies? Have they changed over time? Uh, what do you like to do? um has it evolved over time as well
1: sure so growing up I was really interested in what some people might not necessarily classify as a hobby but I took French um lessons in French um which I absolutely loved um additionally I was always very physically active or at least tried to be you know my school had a swimming pool so I took advantage of that and took swimming lessons um I also went skiing, but I think my kind of top hobby from being a child was actually playing tennis, which I did every weekend. Along the way, I've unfortunately dropped the language lessons just because of how my life has um, ended up being, but I'm still pretty active when it comes to sports, particularly tennis, ski, and a little more focused on the fitness side of things, just given how life has been in the last um last year i've also tried indoor climbing i'm a certified paddy open water diver even though i've only done it a few times i've tried surfing hiking i'm generally pretty you know excited and open when it comes to getting out and about um so yeah definitely a big fan of of sports
0: great um i also like a bit of sports so uh can you tell us about your uh, favorite book if you have one why do you like it why is it fav- your
1: favorite book i don't know if it's my favorite but it's definitely a very entertaining book i came across recently which is called living with a seal it's a tale of an entrepreneur called jesse itzler um, and it's a story of how jesse hires a navy seal to come and live with him and his family in New York and basically trained him for a month. Um, Apart from it being very entertaining um, and obviously very kind of focused on the sport side of things, I think there, there were kind of three key realizations that came out from it. The first being you're capable of doing more than you ever thought was possible. The second was more around excuses are actually not gonna get you anywhere. And the last one was your mind constantly plays it safe to protect you from harm. Mm-hmm. So overall, I think the key takeaway was to continue to challenge and push yourself out of your comfort zone, um, and really try and do more to try to do more than what you think you might be capable of because you might be surprised.
0: Exactly, you should always strive to do new things and develop your uh, scope as well or uh, your worldview. In a way, um, let's talk about apps. So what are your top favorite apps uh, outside of work?
1: Yeah, probably not very entertaining, I suppose. Um, and just because of how the last year with lockdown has been, I think, very heavy on, you know, the WhatsApp, Telegram teams from when it comes to collaboration apps and being able to stay in touch with family and friends. The second one probably being my, my email, um, personal and professional. And then the last one, as simple as it may sound is actually my timer just to keep track of, um, when I'm exercising and also, um, when I'm cooking.
0: Oh, you mean the timer on your phone? Yes. Okay, great. Um, so where do you see yourself? 10 years in the future. How do, you, do you have an idea what, what you plan to do 10 years in the future? Do you still, do you still want to do management consulting or do you want to try something else or is it still still developing in your mind?
1: I would say still probably developing in my mind. Um, and maybe an unrealistic dream would be to be an early retiree um, sitting on a be- on a beach sipping a GNT. Uh, (laughs) so let's see if that happens. Um, if it doesn't, I suppose I'll just kind of enjoy the journey, the journey along the way and where life takes me. But for now, yeah, I'm focusing on, you know, developing professionally further, um, in consulting, as you say, you know, still working on my people skills on my risk management skills, improving my knowledge in data science, automation, AI, and, Um, particularly when it comes to the HR side of things and how companies might improve their operating models and service delivery models and whatnot. Um, So yeah, I think the most important thing is just to be happy and healthy and enjoy the ride.
0: Amazing. Um, So if you can go back in time and you to go back in time and when you're like 18 years old, then you could give an advice to your younger self what advice would you give give yourself?
1: Invest in Bitcoin. Try and live in another foreign country. And don't overthink and be willing to take measured risks.
0: Oh, invest in Bitcoin. Well, how? You <laughs> yeah, believe in I think Bitcoin? I
1: missed that opportunity.
0: <laughs> uh, you, it's never too late to invest. It's still going up.
1: <laughs> That's right.
0: Yeah, <laughs> you know. yeah, I think
1: I have a slightly different focus right now. But I, I'm not going to share my... Um, my um investment ideas
0: <laughs> okay, great and what's the other country or you you still haven't decided which one is it
1: i um would have loved to have you know if i ever had the opportunity to live in a french-speaking country um just because of that you know growing up that passion i had for, for french um you or still can you still late. can you still can yeah, I still can, not too late. Or Quebec, Quebec
0: is right there, Quebec.
1: One of my other countries on the list um, was Singapore, so who knows?
0: Okay, Singapore, yes, I've been there. We've all been to Singapore, yeah, it's a very amazing place.
1: It is indeed.
0: Uh, thank you, Katy, for taking the time to participate in the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it and I hope all the listeners from Career Focus will find it uh, inspirational, insightful, but also entertaining. Um, I really hope that um, they will take the lessons uh, they learned listening to your uh, career journey so far, but also education and uh, build their own perspective on what what they want to do in the future.
1: Thanks so much for having me, Alex. And um, the one last thing I just wanted to suggest is if you wouldn't mind me coming and actually doing an interview for your listeners. um, I'm sure they'd be delighted to find out more about your journey and your inspiration and ideas behind setting up Career Focus.
0: Yeah, Career Focus and Influential Future in general. Uh, Yeah, I think it will be a great idea. We can definitely plan plan that for uh, for in the future. So hopefully, uh, we will we'll have another interview in the near, not, not, not so far future, in the near future with myself, uh, where you'll be the, on the other side of the microphone.
1: Great. I'm looking forward to it. And thanks for having me again.
0: Fantastic. Uh, thank you for taking the time again. And um, I, I really hope that you enjoyed the, the, the series.
1: Thanks.
0: And again, listeners, thank you again for taking the time to listen to Career Focus, part of Influential Future. I really hope that you uh, li- like this episode. If you if you do so, please feel free to share it and um, with your friends and like it on our uh, Facebook page, uh, as well as you, you obviously can listen to it on our um, website and on Buzzsprout as well. And thank you for taking the time to be part of Career Focus. Thank you again. Bye.